0: Hey everybody. Okay, this is a bonus episode. This is extra. You may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on on Zoom. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, If you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, Just like the podcast, it's absolutely free and we'd love to have you. Hello, everybody. Okay, just putting the finishing touches here. Um, okay, uh speaking of uh as you know, when when i when I play the whole song, it means I need a little time to prepare. Speaking of playing the whole song, um uh i uh, I want to share with you that uh something cool that uh, Jen did for us, Jen Bailey Gareth, whos Jen here. I don't know if Jen's here yet. um but she put together this uh. She said, we should, uh, somebody's suggestion. Oh, she's here. Somebody's suggestion, uh, we start collecting the songs that we start with here. There's always, you know, these are songs I like, and there's always a connection to what we're going to study today. So there's a little bit of a game up front. And so she put together this Spotify playlist, um, so we can add pictures of you by The Cure, uh, which is just a a terrific song. And um, and. And, you know, the the line in that song today to think about is that, that I've been looking for so long at these pictures of you that I almost believe that they're real. And we're gonna think a little bit about, um, about pictures today and um, and the and the and the the dangerous um, uh, uh tendency to, to see uh, pictures as reality, okay. So, that, so you don't usually speak out the connection, but that's that's the connection today. Um, okay, today we are we're in a, a a kind of a real turning point in the Torah's language, um, and I might have said that last week. Maybe I said that last week because it's true. Last week with Parshat Mishpatim. The narrative flow of the Torah abruptly um, halts, and we got a whole catalog of laws. And so you notice when Parsha Mishpatim comes around wow, okay, so the Torah is going to be a legal code as well. Wow, it's going to devote an entire Parsha just to giving me one law after another. We hadn't seen that before. It's not that the Torah doesn't concern itself uh, with um, details and particulars. We certainly have. Um, genealogy lists we have you know it's it's it we have deviations from narrative in um in little ways but until last week we we haven't really seen that the Torah might be um might be presenting itself as as something more than a storybook as actually a a code of some sort okay so that's last week and um and you feel the move from narrative to law, but that that is um that's not a that's not a terribly surprising the 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 shift is is worth noticing it's not a terribly surprising new topic, right we we, we who um uh, are in this tradition know that it is composed of all kinds of laws, famously legalistic traditions so and, and and law itself is a is um, it may not be as exciting as story, but it matters, and we can think about it, and we can analyze it. It's familiar to us as a as a genre. So, if the Torah was gonna, you know, gonna switch uh, to a new mode of talking last week, and we thought that was that was the big switch, then when we get to this week, we have to be even more startled because now there's yet another mode of um, language that we encounter and it's not narrative and it's not law. And it's more, it it turns out to be more difficult and and denser than either of them. Um, And that is um, this week, what we get is instructions, specifically building instructions. It's very, there's something like I said, you could make this case around law, but it's it's really startling when it when it when we when we come to it here in Parsha Truma and encounter something that looks like a, a, a furniture assembly manual, right? That's basically the the feeling, the language that we're going to be dealing with for this entire parsha, and and all of which is to say, boy, here's where the Torah gets really difficult, really difficult difficult to um to make meaning of certainly why do we need all these details we'll get a little sample of actually let's just just so i'm not talking in abstract let me give you just a little sample of what we're talking about here the kind of torah that we're going to encounter today um and here's just a snippet um this is this is the stuff that we're going to be looking at today they shall make an ark of acacia wood, and um, and two and a half cubits long it shall be, and a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold. Overlay it inside and out. Make upon it a gold molding round about. Cast four gold rings for it to be attached to its four feet: two rings on one side of its walls, and two rings on the other. So you start to read stuff like this, and you're just like, wait a minute, this is. I came to. I came to shul to hear this. I, I opened my sacred uh, li- literature to, to, to see this. Not to say that it's not necessary, it might be necessary just like a furniture um, assembly manual is necessary when you have furniture that needs assembling, but the kind of quality of reading is, is, is strange. And, um, and all, all of it circles around this new object the tabernacle, the Mishkan, which is in itself kind of a a strange uh, new item for our consideration. The portable desert worship area temple um, that suddenly God announces they're wandering through the desert, right? 40 years of wandering through the desert, that they're going to have to build this thing and carry it with them through the desert and assemble it every time they, um, they, they stop and then take it down every time they're ready to go, and everything's gotten very um everything's gotten very um, um, um uh, de- de- detailed and um and almost uh, uh i I think I'm trying not to say boring, yeah, I think I'm trying not to say boring so the question is, what do we do with this stuff? What do we do with this material? How do we make sense of it? How do we make meaning of it? Um, and and maybe we can even ask how did how did Moses make sense of it? How did Moses make meaning of it? Because um, as we'll soon see, it's difficult reading for us. It may even have been difficult for Moshe, for, for Moses who received these instructions. Um, we have some hints that that Moshe also had some trouble with this reading. And um and so we're gonna we're gonna look today at um at the difficulty that 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 Moshe had with with this information. And um yeah, let me just leave it there. That's enough introduction. Uh, let's say a blessing, um, and we'll get into our study for today. So just calling on God to help us understand. That which is so difficult in God's Torah. Um, okay, so here we go. We're gonna get mired in details very soon in this parsha, but at the outset, up front, we have at least one line that's just beautiful. I only have a when you quote uh, when you hear a quote from Parsha Truma, inevitably you're gonna hear uh, a quote um from from it's eighth, eighth verse right chapter 25 verse 8 the asuli mikdash Batoha. make me a mikdash a sanctuary and i will dwell amongst them i will i god will come down this is the this is the first real sense we have of oh the shchina like the divine presence it will be present in our we can somehow summon the divine president presence down onto earth and that's what the mishkan is for so okay, it's gonna be very difficult reading, but at least the grand purpose of it, um, well, it's grand. And that line certainly is is notable and quotable, but I wanna take us to the verse just after that line, because it's also a kind of big picture verse, a little bit of a like step back from the, the nitty gritty details. And I think in the ninth verse of our Parsha, we have a clue. We have um, a tool, a kind of a keyword. Okay. And, and this is going to be our keyword for the day. And the keyword is Tavnit. Tavnit. So let's take a look at how it appears and then we'll do some translating of it. Um, here is, oh, let me just copy and paste.
1: Here you go.
0: Um, uh, this is what we're going to look at to Okay. Um, let's take a look here. Okay. So uh, I gave you some of the details, but that was just, uh, that was, that was, that was just after the verses that I actually want to look at today. So just to give you a sense of how the, the big picture here is quickly juxtaposed to the nitty gritty details, but here's that famous line, that beautiful line, "Vasuli Mikdash," let them make me a sanctuary, "Asuli Mikdash," that I may dwell among them, "Veshachanti the Batocham." That is a famous line; it's an important line. As you can see, there there are little uh, suggestions of 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 great theological. Um, uh, phenomena and implications like I God will dwell among them, inside of them, in us, in the community. There's lots to lots to think about there, and I think we have thought about this verse in this class before. But today our verse is verse nine. <laughs> Okay, we saw that that word repeated exactly as I show you, otcha, like, like everything that I show you, or exactly as I show you, the pattern of the tabernacle, and the word our word for tabernacle is Mishkan, which is really a dwelling place. Okay. Tavni Mishkan. and here's the word that we're going to be thinking about today. The pattern is the way that it's usually translated. Tavnita mishkan, and it repeats the word and the pattern of all of its furnishings. And so you shall make it. Okay. So, and then immediately we get to all this stuff, like half cubits and cubits and, um, and, and gold inside and gold outside and how many rings and attached to how many feet and then walls and all, all, that, all that stuff, all that stuff. Okay, but just before we get into all those details, we have this word, the pattern, the pattern, the tavnit. So let's just think of for a second about what that might mean. What is the pattern that God would have been showing us or Moses? And let's let me just uh, just uh, give an, a, an, another uh, uh, word or two on on the word tavnit. One is that it's related to. The word for building, livnot, bana. So tavnit is like the building pattern, right? In other words, what is a building pattern? We have a word for that in English. A building pattern is a, a blueprint, okay. a blueprint. And that's an important word also. To, the, the English word is in some ways especially helpful there. We haven't yet figured out exactly how to define Tavnit, the pattern, the building pattern. But blueprint is, is actually, it ha- that word has some currency in Jewish conversation because we often use that word to, dis- to, to refer to a certain idea in Jewish thought, which is that the Torah is a blueprint for the world. And this comes from a very famous Midrash in Bereshit Rabbah. And then it's repeated again in the Zohar, the great mystical text of uh, of Jewish tradition. Um, and the Zohar puts it, God looked into the Torah and created the world, right? It's a wild idea because it somehow suggests that the, the Torah informed God. <laughs> that the that the and it also is a wild idea because it suggests that the world is based on the torah the torah is not responding to the world the world is like somehow structured modeled on the structure of the torah so there's like there's a lot of juicy theology in there to unpack um and you know like i, I i'm using the english word blueprint as a bridge because that that those midrashim those um those Rabbinic statements are do not use the word tavnit, but there is a kind of you, you can feel a certain parallel um imagery here that there's something that you see, it's a pattern that you see that you're being given um you will build based on what you see, okay so let's just let's just do do our own interpretation for a few minutes before we dive into the um to the to the commentators what do you think this word means just in context let's look at it again what well, what do you think is going on here we're reading through the torah we're meant to understand this in some way let them make me a sanctuary that i may dwell among them that's the great line and then the next line is mareotcha like e- exactly like everything that i show you et mishkan like the pattern of the of the mishkan ve'et tavnit kol and And the pattern like there's another pattern there are, there are various Tavniot here that I that I will be showing you the pattern of all of its furnishings. That's how you'll make it. Okay, so let's think a little bit about what um, the Torah might be saying there. Marianka, we want to start us off.
1: Yes, hi. Uh, Well, first of all, I want to thank you. It was great to hear a rabbi say that that portion can be boring.
0: I didn't say it, though. I said I might say it, but I didn't say it. You're right.
1: (laughs) Um, So the pattern thing, you know, my first thought was like, oh, maybe if you put it in some very smart computer, it will give you the pattern of God. But of course, that's a crazy idea because there is no pattern, right? That God is undefinable. But then perhaps it's a pattern either of how God wants our community to be, or it's a pattern of how we can Create a relationship. I don't don't even want to say communication with God. Something like that I see in this pattern
0: uh, word, mm-hmm. ah, okay, good. So that's really interesting. Marianka hears in this word Tavnit the suggestions of a, of um a, of a, of a real a real code, a real divine code that if God is giving us some pattern, some blueprint, then it will help us build the Mishkan, but maybe this is like those like those other images I, I I just offered. This is the thing that we can look into and understand the world and maybe understand God itself. And that's, I'm going to show you a pattern. And that suggests that there's something about the tabernacle, the Mishkan, that has that it the whole thing becomes a kind of a code for us. And indeed, it's been often been read that way. The mystical traditions in Judaism um, will take a look at a text like this in the Torah and say, oh, the reason that there are all those details, it's, you know, it's not that this is the more boring section, this is the most exciting section. This has all the key information in it. Count up how many rings. Count up how many planks, because those rings parallels. I don't know what they parallel. Some other divine entity, and we're learning things here in a co- in an encoded way. Okay, but so that's beautiful interpretation that Marianka suggests for us, or says that the Torah is suggesting for us. But Marianka offers us a, a cautionary as well. This is something a little strange about seeing the pattern of god knowing the um the, the 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 genetic code of the one who is beyond knowledge do we really do we really get to see the 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 plans do we really get to see the blueprint like do we really get to see something here seeing itself is a somewhat problematic verb when we're talking about having access to to divine knowledge right Okay, all right, all right. Um, Noah, Pollock.
1: Yeah, this uh, this portion by itself, as you might have said, is very dry, but right here, I think this is uh, the first roadmap of how we can relate to different types of learners. In saying the pat- pattern or blueprint twice, he's saying, first, I'm saying this blueprint to you, and then I'm gonna show you how it's done visually. So I'm seeing it as a teaching map to how to relate to each different type of individual who learns differently.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. I love that. It's such a such a such a great and sharp uh, insight here. This whole section, which I spent a lot of time almost apologizing for, it's so different. It's such a, a technical um, reading, but you know what? Some people's minds work that way. And uh, this is a different kind of Torah, but that's good because this is an architect's Torah. This is a builder's Torah. This is, um, and what Noah says is that this mode of communication is is, it, is a, new, a new kind of, uh, a, a, a new cognitive uh, uh, um, relationship to the Torah. Is there something visual? There's going to be an actual diagram here, and that's good. You know, this is a word tradition, and great. So there's lots of words, but in this moment, God is saying some things you will need to see, and Noah suggests that that is like speaking to the visual learner, and maybe Moshe was a visual learner, and and actually that's exactly where our rabbis are going to go with this to think about what did Moshe need to see, and what do the rest of us Need to see or have a picture. Do you wish there were um pictures, <laughs> um an, an illustrated Torah? Right? Do, do you feel like you read things sometime and you're like, what the heck is 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 the Torah talking about here? Well, here's a little bit of a, a an, an a suggestion that even in the days of Moses, there were different modes by which God might um communicate information. And some of it could be visual, and some of it, you know, as we get into the building, could be kinesthetic. Right? There could be other ways of, other modes of wisdom to be acquired, other modes of wisdom that will be absorbed more easily by by different brains. Okay, so that's all. That's all very nicely suggested. Um, let's take just a couple more here, and then we'll we'll push forward a little bit. Yeah, El.
1: In a fatal accident, but this is this is a they're all matanot.
0: This is like a roadmap for us. Yeah. I, I okay, good. I, I like that the language that you're giving to the the, the significance of, of, of having a pattern and just what the way that we relate to patterns and maps and um charts, that there's something about the the even the use of this word, that there are patterns to be detected. As a student of the Torah, I think of pattern spotting as. As one of my my favorite and 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 one of the most important techniques in understanding the Torah, what where are the patterns? It's not just what the Torah says, but sometimes it's re- repeating images or repeating phrases or the structure of the Torah. I can I can decode the Torah by understanding its shape, almost its patterns. And so too, there's a little bit of a suggestion here that. The world has patterns that wisdom has patterns that the the tabernacle becomes a system for the patterns in the universe and we we are maybe being encouraged to think about what is it like to decode the torah the tabernacle and the universe to find the the laws right like like a scientist does finding the underlying patterns laws codes of the universe so that's the kind of thinking also that we're being asked to do here and maybe the suggestion is because the universe also has a tabneet a pattern um if you had the right map you could you could navigate through the through existence itself okay and take one more comment and then i want to i want to push a little forward ariella
1: well i'm kind of interpreting this as a personal mishkan that god's giving us um instructions to give us on our own personal sanctuary and that's how we can nourish ourselves and deal with the world mm-hmm.
0: yeah the tabernacle the whole the whole structure of the tab- tabernacle has often been um especially in the hasidic tradition uh it's been suggested that the the, the real tabernacle is in our hearts and God would dwell there. I, I don't want to go too deep down that path today, but, you know, let's hold it in mind because, the, you know, if we pair that mode of interpretation that God will dwell inside of us, if we build it inside of us. So then we might be also asking, so then what's the Tavnit? What's the pattern of our soul? What's the pattern of our heart? What is the what is the pattern, that, the map that we might use to negotiate our spirit, our internal spiritual experience. Okay. So noted. Okay. Um, I want to now take a look at what, uh, what our, our, our tradition, what our commentators do with this pattern language, because, uh, they do something very, very specific, very concrete. And, um, and it, it picks up on some of the Uh, suggestions that Noah was giving us that there's there there's this is a different mode of instruction and it was necessary for a different kind of learning okay so let's take a look here at uh the next instance instance of the word pattern so this is the first time we've seen this word in the Torah tavnit and it's repeated twice there up at the beginning and then we'll see it again same chapter exodus 25 you know we get all of this this goes on for quite a while, all of these qubits and rings. And then towards the end of, the, um, of that same chapter, the sort of closing thought is, note well and follow the patterns. Note well and follow the patterns. For them that are being shown you on the mountain. Okay. I mean, this for them is a little funny. Uh, let's just take that out note well and follow the patterns that are being shown to you on the mountain now that's okay so the, here's the here there's that word again the the uh tavnit is right here now we have the third usage in the torah so it sort of bookends our, there are discovered the patterns and more patterns note and follow the patterns that are being shown to you on the mountain okay first of all That language, now we have like a real emphasis that these patterns are being shown to you on the mountain. And actually, the language of note well and follow is literally see and make. See and make. So, see and make the patterns that are being shown to you on the mountains. Okay, so what what's the question here? What's the parshanut question here? What are you What are you seeing? How does this work? What do you see- What exactly do you see? You're seeing something. Okay, it, it, there's something visual going on here, and this is what Rashi says about it. Now, Rashi uh, picks up on the see and make language. Rashi, our our most famous medieval commentator. Okay. See here, he says, in the mountain, the pattern which I show you. In other words, um, see here, uh, projected upon the mountain, or when you're on top of the mountain, or hovering above the mountain. But when Moses had his Sinai experience, God showed him a pattern. And this, Rashi says, tells you that Moses had great difficulty with the workmanship of the menorah until the Holy One, Blessed One showed him a menorah of fire. Okay, so the question is, what, like, what do you have to see? Why does he have to see something? This has been a verbal tradition. God's just telling Moses how to build this thing. And you know what? it's dense, it's technical, it's complicated, but it's not that complicated. We've all put together IKEA furniture, haven't we? Put it together, it's not a big deal. What was the big deal? But our rabbis say, well, if if the Torah is really belaboring the pattern point, it must be there was something that required a pattern. And what's the most complex thing in the tabernacle? The menorah, the candelabra, the, the lamp, which had you know, all of those, not, a, not eight uh, arms like our Hanukkiah, but six with one in the middle, right? So, um, so that's what Moses, now, but this is a, such a funny idea. Moses had a lot of trouble when God was saying, build a menorah. So God blazed a menorah of fire upon the mountain, right? Like suddenly, it was a beautiful, a kind of a glorious image, but it's a strange one, isn't it? Like there at Mount Sinai, God's talking and talking and talking. Moses is writing down or absorbing the information, and God gets to the menorah, says, ah, "Now you, now you're gonna make a menorah." And Moshe says, "Wait, what? Is is it? How many arms is it? There's one in the middle. Wait, how, what? What do you?" And indeed, when we get to the description of the menorah in this week's parsha. It's like there are all these different tiny little parts and some of them are referred to as the flowers of the menorah and some of them referred to as the arms of the menorah. There's like a lot going on there. So Moshe needed a picture. He needed a picture. So that's right, Noah's right. Moshe needed to see this in order to understand it. Now that in itself is worthy of our in reflection and consideration. What does it mean that, that there were certain things that Moshe couldn't understand um, uh, um, orally, or hour hourly, like, by hearing. Okay, so i'm I'm about to ask you, what what does that mean? what What do you think of the idea that that Moshe needed to see certain things? But um, to make that point um, fuller and stronger, I want to take you to the place in the Talmud that Rashi is drawing from, because there you'll see. Some of the Parshanut work that is, you'll see how the Talmud is playing with certain um a certain specific l- language in the Torah that that they 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 see a kind of clue that these are the things that had to be shown. And it isn't the word tavnit, in fact, it's the word zeh or this or that right there, that right there. Okay, so let's just take a look at um what it turns out there are. This is where Rashi is drawing from, the Talmud in Menachot. And here it is, the, 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 the Talmud in Menachot. The school of Rabbi Ishmael taught three matters were difficult for Moshe to understand. Okay, Not just the menorah, but three things. So this is, this is just like a fascinating idea. There were, in all the things in the Torah, there were three things that Moshe needed a picture of because he just couldn't understand what the heck God was talking about so three things were difficult for Moshe to understand until the holy blessed one showed them to him with the divine finger in other words god had to actually point and say look it's like this and these are the three the menorah that's where rashi got this idea the menorah and the new moon the new moon and the impure creeping animals that's a long translation for like vermin, bugs, which are not pure. Okay, so the idea here is the menorah in its intricate construction, the new moon, which probably refers to not just the appearance of, of, the, of the new moon and the new month and the new calendar, but all the intricacies of the calendar and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, how we chart time. That was difficult for Moshe to understand how to coordinate time according to the, the moon and the stars. You have to actually look at the moon to know um, this. This is a famous moment, the new moon, um, and we'll see it in just a second. And then finally, the impure creeping animals. God gives a list of um, of some animals that are impure, like birds. But when it comes to creepy crawling things, we don't have a we just get the information that they are forbidden to us. But it, what 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 exactly animals are you talking about? What Creepy crawlies, that doesn't sound very, that's not very clear. What animal do you mean? And and so again, um, Moshe had to have a picture of them, an illustration. And the reason, this is just um, the actual Parshanut work, meaning the work of interpreting the language of the Torah, is that these three um, items are all indicated with the language of this right here. And the language of this right here is, uh, ze, ze. Okay, so this is the work of the menorah, Zema seha menorah, and that actually takes place later in the Torah when again we talk about the menorah, and there the language is this is the work of the menorah. So that's a clue that God had to point to it and say like just like this, and the new moon. As it is written, this this is the moment that we were leaving Egypt, and suddenly the, the narrative stops and we get our first commandment. This month, we, the, the the month, this this month right here, look upright in the sky. This is the month, this is the moon, this is what I'm talking about. And the Shratzim, the little creepy crawly things, as it is written, and th- these are they which are unclean for you among the swarming things. And these is once again, v'zeh. These, this right here. Look, look right here. And there are those who say that God also showed Moses the halachot, the laws of slaughtering, because there's another zeh. Now this is that which you shall sacrifice upon the altar. Now, I, I you probably can feel that there's a little bit of a stretch here because the word this... Is not such an uncommon word, zeh. I mean that you that you're making this big deal over zeh. But what the rabbis have done is that they found a number of cases, a very complex, either structural or ide- in some way complex ide- I- 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 items to identify, and they've noticed that in a lot of those places, there's a look, look right here, this right here language. And that teaches you that these are the items that Moshe actually had to see. So let's just think about that for a minute, that there were certain things that Moshe couldn't just hear and and maybe certain things that we can't just hear, Moshe needed a picture of. And one was the menorah and one was the new moon. And and there I kind of, I want to like parentheses, calendar, time, um, cosmology, the moving of the spheres, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right, something in there that, Moshe needs to see, to vi- that we all needed to see, um, what exactly is not kosher? Which animals can I eat and not eat? What's what's pure and impure? And then finally someone says, yeah, what about laws of slaughter? That's really difficult too. And it is famously difficult to know exactly how to slaughter an animal, kosher slaughter. So that also required to look, look at the picture, look at the picture here. Okay. So what do you make of this? What do you make of this idea that Moshe, there were certain things that Moshe needed visual aid in understanding. That maybe we need visual aid. Why is that important? Why is that? Why is that matter to us that there be certain kinds of um, uh, visual patterns uh, that, that 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 the rabbis are suggesting that parts of this Torah need to be need to be seen to be understood? Okay. All right. I think we have time for one more comment, and I'll. Uh, Marlene, uh, I'll turn to Marlene, who's had her hand up for a while.
1: Um, I'm thinking about um, my work as a teacher and pattern recognition in math education, which is so important when kids are young. And I'm wondering if this is less about recognizing the pattern of the Mishkan or the pattern of not drawing an image of somebody and more about recognizing the pattern of what it means to be a Jew and sometimes that that means that means recognizing where we worship that means recognizing how we eat that means recognizing how we pray that means recognizing how we treat each other and that it's really a the, the word pattern is a really strong pattern for for Starting to build that understanding of the whole thing, and so the idea that Moses needed a visual i'm less impressed about him being a visual learner than I am that we use all the tools we have at our disposal to make sure that as we cross the desert into Israel, we have, we have the beginning of understanding of these patterns.
0: Great. This this comment layers so nicely on top of um of Emily's comment just now and, and is a good way to close our conversation, which is that we're we are recognizing a kind of dichotomy in our whole tradition that we're gonna have to continue to grapple with, where on the one hand, we are above all, it is it it is the second commandment. Here, I actually have the second commandment. Uh, on our page, you shall make for yourself, a, you shall not make for yourself a sculptured image or any likeness, any um picture is the word that I would use. No picture of what is in the heavens above or on the earth below, right? Just like you saw no picture. Okay, that's a supreme commandment. Remember, God. The, 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 the mysterious, the spiritual cannot be concretized, cannot be put into form. That is so central to our whole, this whole theology, this whole practice, this whole civilization, this whole worldview. And yet, and yet this is actually an extremely physical religion where there are all kinds of objects there's all kinds of ritual and we shake things and we and we make blessings on objects and we and we build um tabernacles and we build sukkot and we build things and we we have a concrete tangible physical relationship to things and even at Mount Sinai there was a mountain there was fire there were tablets there were stones that Moshe brought down from the mountain there's all kinds of physical representations that are not just in the tradition, but central tradition that have to be understood and that are legitimized, as Emily said, by it's okay to make certain things, it's okay to have a physical, tangible. This isn't a religion of just pure abstract contemplation. And yet, we always have to hold the tension between let's not get too physical. We can build a tabernacle, but we can't build a God. Okay. How do you hold that tension that we'll actually build things and they will be holy things? But we have to make sure that we know that we can't build. Uh, a god and we can't build a person we can there are things that cannot there are things that are in god's domain and we shouldn't um, uh, attempt to build them and then there are things that are beyond building beyond physical representation okay and that's the tension that we have to hold and that's what these two um, appearances of the word tavnit form pattern building map are there doing in these two places in our tradition okay we'll close here but i will just close by saying um, a happy birthday to Bob Numeroff, um, who's uh, with us today, and uh, this was Bob's bar mitzvah parsha, so so so, so it's, a, it's a Bob parsha. So happy birthday, Bob, and uh, wishing you all a good Shabbos. I'll see you next week.
1: Thank good Shabbos. You. Thank you. I'm learning uh, to thank Shabbos, thank you. Thank
0: you all. Bye. Good Shabbos. Bye, everyone.